Well, I'm glad to speak to you from today from the book of Hebrews, one of the toughest books in the New Testament, but it has surplus insights and encouragements for our Christian walk. I would like to begin with the, who wrote the book of Hebrews. What we need to understand is that we know nothing about who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people say Paul might have written this book and others propose Apollos, Barnabas and Luke. But there is no explicit evidence that this is the person who wrote the book of Hebrews. So we do not know the author. But ultimately we know that God is the divine author of all the books of the Holy Bible. Inspiring human authors to write what he intended for them and that brings us to the second question who were the original audience of the book of Hebrews what we see is that the title of the book or the letter gives to us some understanding that it was written to Hebrews and Hebrews were those from the Jewish community that had converted to Christianity and these people from reading this book, we understand that these people have a significant amount of knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. And what we also grasp from reading this letter is that their conversion brought on them suffering and persecution. And as a result, some turn back from Christianity to Judaism. And from this book, we see clearly the author of Hebrews showing the supremacy of Christ and encourages these recipients not to fall away from the grace of God, from the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, from the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the persecution they were facing. From this book of Hebrews, there is a great lesson that we can learn and that is how to read the Old Testament in proper relationship to Jesus Christ. How to see Christ as the center of the Old Testament. How to read the Old Testament Christologically. And um, one thing that I would like to let you know that without the knowledge of the Old Testament, people find it difficult to understand the book of Hebrews. So with this brief introduction in mind, let us go ahead. And read the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. And this is what is written. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The first thing that I would like to let you know. And the entire sermon I have entitled the God who speaks. The God who speaks. When we read the first verse we don't see any formal greetings. The author gems straight to the point and he says long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now when the author is saying long ago it means prior to the incarnation of Christ. It is speaking about the whole Old Testament times before Christ came long ago and then it says many times. God's revelation 
was not given all at once. We see God's progressive revelation in the Old Testament. And we see that many times, not all at once, in different situations, in different times, in different generations, God was speaking to his people. It is estimated that the chronology of the Old Testament covers more than 1,500 years. And in all these years, many times, God was speaking to his people. And it also says that long ago, at many times and in many ways, God did not choose one medium to communicate to his people. He spoke to the prophets in many ways. He spoke through dreams. He spoke through visions. He spoke through angels. He spoke through audible voices, sometimes from the wind, other times from fire, and a few other ways God used to speak to his prophets. But you know what is a life-giving encouragement for us from reading this verse? It is that God spoke. God is a God who speaks. As we delve into this uh, subject of God speaking, one attribute or one nature of God that we need to understand is that God is invisible. The God of the Bible, God the Father, is invisible. Let us look at some scriptures in order for us to understand the invisibility of God. We see that in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, to the king of the ages, immortal, and observe the word, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then we see in 1 Timothy chapter 6 from verses 15 to 16. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. And then observe this phrase, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. The Bible makes it clear that no one has ever seen God the Father. Or no one can ever see. We again see in John chapter 1 verse 18. John 1 verse 18 it says, No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. All the scriptures testify to the invisibility of God. But here is the good news. Although God is invisible, the scripture declares in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. I am reminded of the book Francis Schaeffer's, which is, he is there, and he is not silent. He is there and he is not silent. God is invisible, but he is there. God is invisible, but he is not silent. God is invisible, but he speaks. God of the Bible is a God who speaks. Now one thing we need to understand when the Bible says God speaks, it is not to give some emotional thrill to people that God speaks. It is not for us to enjoy or imagine or feel good that God speaks. 
What we need to understand is that when God speaks, there is a special purpose to it. And the purpose is, every time God spoke, it is a revelation of himself. God speaking is a revelation of himself. Because unless God reveals, no one can know God. No one can come close to God. If God did not choose to reveal himself. And by God choosing to revealing himself. And by God choosing to speak to people. What we understand is that God need not speak. Need not reveal himself. And he does so out of his grace. Every time God spoke, every time God revealed himself to his people, he manifested his grace and mercy. Because we need not come to know God if God did not reveal himself. It is all because of his grace. God is invisible, but he is real. He is not unreal. God is invisible, but he speaks. He is not dumb. God is invisible, but he reveals himself. He is not unknown. God is invisible, but he is active in control of all things and accomplishes all his purposes. He is not distant and he is not passive. God is a God who reveals himself and he is a God who speaks. You know, when we look at the Bible, theologians uh, explain that there are two types of revelation. One is the general revelation of God, which God revealed through the nature. We find that in Romans 1 and Psalm 19, in the initial verses, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. The nature, the creation testifies that there is a God who exists. But general revelation is not enough for us to be saved, to be sanctified, to know God personally. There need to be special revelation. And that is what we see in Hebrews chapter 1 from verses 1 to 3. When God spoke to his people through his prophets, it is a special revelation of his glory. And you see what it says, which brings us to the second section. God spoke through the prophets. Hebrews 1.1 says that long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So when God spoke, you need to understand the means through whom God spoke and also the object to whom God spoke. What is the object here? We see that God spoke to our fathers. Who are the fathers that the author is mentioning? Is he speaking about biological father? No. He is speaking about his ancestors. He is speaking about the generations that lived before the Lord Jesus Christ and all these people, the Jewish people lived with a community-centered life, not like the generation that we see today, which is very individualistic. They saw the previous generations, they saw the previous ancestors as our fathers. The Bible tells that he spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the prophets. Now we need to understand that when the Bible says God spoke through the prophets, it is not speaking about any other prophets in the world. Some people say, you know, God also revealed in other religions through other prophets. That is not what the Bible says here. When the Bible says that God spoke through the prophets, it is only the prophets of the Holy Bible. The prophets in the Old Testament, for example, Moses, prophet of God, 
Abraham was a prophet of God. Samuel was a prophet of God. Isaiah was a prophet of God. Jeremiah was a prophet of God. Ezekiel was a prophet of God. And many other prophets. God used all these prophets in order to speak to his people. And they were not led by their own spirits. The Bible tells that they were moved by the Holy Spirit as they proclaimed the word of God. We see that for example in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 to 21. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 to 21. The scripture affirms that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. It doesn't come from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Now listen what it says. Every prophecy of the scripture people prophesied when men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And they spoke exactly what God intended for people to listen. And you know when it says here that God spoke through the prophets to his people. The focus is not on God speaking to the prophets. That's not the focus is. The focus is on God speaking to his people through the prophets. You know, many people, you know, as I grew up in a circle, only about God speak to me, speak to me, speak to me. But the object actually we see that here is God spoke to the prophets in order to give his revelation to his people. Now, here is a very important statement that I'm making to you. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Open your ears wide and listen so that you would learn something and which will keep you from a lot of deceptions. You know, the Bible tells here, even in the Old Testament, you may not get it when I say first, when I explain, you will get it. It says that God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God did not speak Directly to his people. Even in the Old Testament, God did not speak to all people directly. Because I grew up in a culture of the churches where they taught that God speaks to us directly. You can hear his voice. You can hear his, you know, all those supernatural things. And uh, mostly they are led by, thy, by their own spirit. But my, my thing is that, why didn't God speak to people directly? Because he didn't choose to speak to people directly. He chose the prophets through whom he spoke to his people. Then the question comes now, then what was the general way God spoke to his people? If God spoke specifically, directly to only few people, whom we see as prophets... How did God speak to his people in the Old Testament and how did he communicate his will to them? Turn to, I can show you a lot of scriptures but because I'm time constrained. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, now listen what it says. The secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things that are revealed, how did God reveal? Through prophets. Through prophet Moses when Deuteronomy was written. But the things that are revealed through the prophets belong to us and to our children forever. Now see what the phrase says here. That we may do all 
the words of this law. Now what belongs to people? The law of God. What is the will of God for his people? The law of God. How did God speak to his people? Through the prophets who wrote the law and the law was given to people and it is the law that was the natural medium of God's communication to his people. Not everyone heard the voice of God during Abraham. You know, I remember I used to see these words, Lord, your Bible is real. This is how people speak actually in the culture that I have grown up. You know, God is real. The God of the past is the same today and tomorrow. Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. If God spoke to Abraham directly, he will also speak to you. If God spoke to Moses, he will also speak to you. And I was thinking that Lord, in my early Christian life, you spoke to Abraham. Uh, you spoke to Moses. You spoke to Daniel. I want to know you the way they knew you. You speak to me, O oh Lord. I want to hear you. What a fool I was without understanding that even in the Old Testament, I am living in the 21st century. Even in the Old Testament, God did not speak to all people directly. Moses was not an example to all people. This is how God speaks. Abraham was not an example to all people how God speaks. Elijah was not an example to how, how God speaks. The Bible says that God used these few chosen unique people to speak to people which was inscripturated which means it was written as the law as the scripture as the word of God written word of God and when people read it they hear God and at this time when Deuteronomy was written the revelation was progressing now one of the doctrines that we need to understand when we read the Old Testament is progressive revelation which means the revelation was not complete after the law came what? The historical books like Joshua, Ruth and other books. And after that we see poetical books. Job and Psalms and Proverbs were added. And then we see the prophetical books like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi and so many prophetical books. The canon was not closed until then and it was kept added. There is another verse that I would like to show you during the time when people were about to enter into exile. And this is what the Lord speaks. Turn to Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. It says here that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Very famous words. Do you know that? Many of you have heard about it. What knowledge is he speaking about? He is speaking about the knowledge of God. In other words, you know, when Bible speaks about the knowledge of God, it means knowing God. In other words, when the Bible says my people are destroyed, it says that my people are destroyed because they do not know me. Many Christians are today also there. They do not know God. You know why? You see very later what it says here. It says that because you have rejected knowledge, I rejected you from being a priest to me. And you see later what it says. And since you have forgotten the law, you're gone. I also will forget your children. Now you need to understand the Hebrew way of writing, the parallelism. The, the previous words were written in the latter words synonymously using different words. Now it says here you have rejected knowledge. And then the following phrase says you have forgotten the law. What does it mean? They rejected the law of God. When the scripture says here you are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you do not know me. And how do you know me? You know me through the law of God. You are not studying the law. 
you are not obeying the law you are not living according to the law and in this way you do not know me wow and i'll show you one final verse and jump into the next phrase luke 24 verse 25 luke 24 25 you see what the lord jesus did when he was on the way to emmaus after his resurrection you remember he met two men right and when he was speaking to them this is what he said and he said to them oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken connected with hebrews 11 in the past in the long ago god has spoken to his people through prophets and it says here that you are slow to believe what the prophets have spoken but what the prophets have spoken where was it stone immediately in verse 27 the lord jesus said and beginning with moses which is the law and all the prophets which is the prophetical books he interpreted to them in all the scriptures now hear carefully what are the scriptures the scriptures are the prophets spoken words and he interpreted to them the things concerning himself now what is the conclusion that i would like to make to you god specifically exceptionally spoke to few people who were his prophets through them he spoke to all the people the general way god spoke to his people of the old testament is through the inspired and written scripture the general way god spoke to his people in the old testament is through the inspired and written scriptures now let's come back to the next phrase next phrase it says that in hebrews chapter 1 from verses 1 to 2 hebrews chapter 1 from verses 1 to 2 what does it say shall we all read this together long ago and at many times and in many ways god spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son in these last days why did the author use in these last days he used last days in contrast to what long ago long ago which is in the past before the incarnation of the lord jesus christ and in these last days which means listen carefully many people think the last days begin before the lord jesus christ coming many people think that that's absolutely wrong nowhere the bible says that last days means before the immediacy of the lord's return no the last days began with the incarnation of the lord jesus christ and it says here that in the last days now why is he speaking in the last days god spoke through his son did i tell you the original recipients background they were turning away from the lord jesus and again turning to what judaism they were again turning to the prophets of the old testament they were again going back to the law they were again going back to the old testament scriptures rejecting the person right jesus christ and what the author of hebrews was telling to them is this is that jesus is superior to the prophets of the old testament in the old testament through the prophets you received only partial revelation but in the new testament through the person jesus christ you receive holistic final complete revelation of god and apart from that you cannot know and that's the reason it says here that god 
has spoken to us by his son. What does it mean God has spoken to us by his son? It means that God revealed himself through his son Jesus Christ. God revealed himself through his son Jesus Christ. And that's what we see on the Mount of Transfiguration. Do you remember? The Lord Jesus took his disciples, the favorite disciples of him. Peter, James and John. And when he took on the top, and when Elijah and Moses came to visit him, and then they heard the voice of the Lord from heaven. And what, would, what, did, the Lord, what did the voice speak? It spoke that, this is my beloved son. What should you do? Listen to him. Listen to him. Why? Because in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. Now listen carefully. The Bible says spoken in perfect past tense. It doesn't say God is still speaking, speaking through his son. It doesn't say that. It says that God has spoken by his son. Everything that he wanted to reveal about himself to his people, God has already spoken. There is no need of further revelation that you need in order to know God because everything that is sufficient for us to know, God has spoken to us through the prophets in the Old Testament, but that is a partial revelation. God has spoken everything sufficient for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And I will explain to you more. How do we understand this, that God has spoken through his son? But there is one doctrinal issue that I want to address here before I go further and explain. You know what? Many people reject that Jesus is not God. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus is the son of God. Even Hebrews 1.1 says that he is spoken to us by his son. How can son be the father? How can son be God? It doesn't say that God. It says that son of God. Which means Jesus is not God. Jesus is a prophet of God. Jesus is just a human being. But he is not God because the Bible doesn't say he is God. But it says that he is the son of God. We will understand more of the glory and the beauty of the deity of Christ as we go further. But there is one clarification. Now listen carefully brothers and sisters carefully. If you are not rooted in this doctrine. Today a lot of people are spreading the lies. That Jesus is not God. He is secondary to God. He is the son of God. Now when the Bible says son of God. What does it mean? Now there is a principle of Bible interpretation that we have to know here. I'm not quoting great Bible scholars. I'm not quoting anyone. I'm only quoting the scriptures because I want you to know one of the major important principles of Bible interpretation is this. You know what is that? Scripture interprets scripture. And let's see what the scripture says. In Luke chapter 3. Now listen so that you can understand what does it mean when the Bible says Jesus is the son of God. Luke chapter 3 verse 23 says when Jesus began his ministry about his about 30 years of age. Now it explains the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does it say? Being the son as was supposed of Joseph. And then son of Haley. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. Son of, son of, son of, son of, son of. And finally it ends in 38. Now you see what it says in Luke chapter 3 verse 38. The son of Enos. The son of Seth. The son of Adam. And what was Adam called? The son of God. People, something that you need to understand here. In the singular definitive sense, which is the son of God. Singular 
definitive sense the title was applied to no one in the entire bible among the human beings except to adam you go and check it in the singular definitive sense it was used only for two people in the entire bible the plural sons of god was used but the son of god was used only for two persons one is the first adam who is the first creation of god and the other is the second adam who is the son of god the lord jesus christ now why does the bible say adam as the son of god you know why because it depends on explains genesis 1:26 to 27 and what does it say god made man and woman in his own image in his own likeness in other words adam was the mirror of god adam was the likeness of god adam was the image of god now this word image and son of god speaks about two things one is about resemblance resemblance speaks about adam represents god adam shows who god is and also it speaks about relationship which means adam had the close intimacy with god that no one ever had later and because of which when adam sinned you know what the bible says god cast out adam and eve from the garden of eden when bible says god cast out adam and eve from the from the garden of eden it speaks that he cast out from his intimacy adam being the son of god he was a reflection of the image of god adam being the son of god he had close intimacy with god but you know what happened later when the descendants of adam came now we may say that are we not made in the image of god now we need to understand yes we are made in the image of god but we don't perfectly resemble the image of god as adam reflected and that's why theologians use the word we are the distorted and marred image of god imagine you are driving the car and someone throws a stone on the windshield of the car is the car is the glass completely gone no what do you call my windshield is broken so that is what we are we are the broken image of god we are the distorted image of god we are the marred image of god but only adam was the perfect resemblance in human terms speaking the exact image of god in finite attributes you know ben grudem in his systematic theology he speaks about two things one is the communicable attributes that is the attributes that god has shared with man and the other thing is incommunicable attributes which is the unshared attributes of god which god did not share with man so when bible says god made man in his own image only in the finite sense god is loving adam was also loving god is the intellectual being adam was also the intellectual being god is a creative being and man also became an inventor a very good thinker creative being so whatever god was god made man but only in the finite sense that is what we need to understand so now listen carefully therefore what we need to understand is that when the bible speaks jesus is the son of god we need to understand that it means jesus is the exact image and the imprint of who god is i will show you a lot of scriptures for that it means that jesus is the exact image of the father now listen carefully when adam was created in the image of god 
It is in finite sense. But when Jesus is called as the son of God, that he is the image of God in the infinite sense. In divineness, that the Bible speaks about that Jesus is the son of God, which means in the infinite holistic way, if you want to see how God looks like, Jesus is the one. If you want to see what kind of intimacy Jesus had, that is what it means to be the son of God. I'll show you one evidence for this. Maybe two, three evidences. Listen carefully what it says. In John chapter 10 verse 33, we see here that the Jews were very angry at Jesus. And this is what it says. John chapter 10 verse 33. The Jews answered him, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you. Okay, the Jews were about to stone the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and they were telling you that it is not for that we are stoning you, but for blasphemy. Blasphemy means what? You are claiming yourself to be God. And what is a blasphemy mean? Because you being a man, make yourself what? God. And then you see what the Lord Jesus said in verse 36. In response to what they said. He said that, Do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God. Now he didn't say here that I am God. He said, you are telling that I am blaspheming because I am the son of God. Because the Jewish people understood that in the singular definitive sense, when you say I am the son of God, you are claiming to be the image of God, God himself. And that's why the Bible says that they were very angry and they were stoning to kill Jesus because of blasphemy. Because they said I am the son of God, which is nothing but I am God himself. If you want to see who God is, look at me. I am the God in flesh. Let me go further and show to you what it says in John chapter 14, verse 8 to 9. Now, before that, I want to create um, one of the great theologians of our time is Grammy uh, uh, Goldsworthy. He wrote immensely about biblical theology. And he says that image and likeness are terms of sonship. Image and likeness are terms of sonship. So let's go now to Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 8 to 9. Gospel of John Chapter 14, verses 8 to 9. Philip said to him, what did he say? Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, what did he say? Very strange. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Philip might be saying, I'm not asking about you, Jesus. I know who you are. But what I'm asking you is, show us the Father and that is enough. And again, Jesus might have said, that's what I'm telling you. I have been with you so long and yet you do not know me. And then he says, whoever has seen me has seen the father. If Jesus was not God, that is blasphemy people. We should stone Jesus to death. Because he said that whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say show us the father? If you want to see the father, look at me. Why? Because I am the exact image of who God is. If you want to see God, look at me. Because I am the son of God, which is the exact image of God. So what we need to understand here, and, and the same thing right after Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2, the verse says in verse 3, you know what it says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3? It says that Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. And you see what it says, the exact 
imprint of his nature. Do you understand the exact imprint of his nature? We use the word ditto. Isn't it? He is ditto God. Which means he is same like the father. If you want to know the father, look at the son. If you want to know who God is, know Jesus. Because God has spoken by his son. And to know the son is nothing but to know the father. Says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. You see what it says here. What a powerful statement that we see in Colossians 2.9. For in Christ the whole fullness. In Adam the image of God was partial. But in Jesus it says that the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The complete deity of God you can see in the person Jesus Christ. And you see also in Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. Who is the image of the invisible God? Christ is the image of the invisible God. That's why I began my message showing you the nature of God. That God is invisible. The only way you know the invisibility of God. You can only way you know this invisible God is through his son Jesus. Because the Bible tells that Christ is the image of the invisible God. Someone said based on these words. He said that in Christ the invisible God became visible. In Christ the invisible God became visible. I say that the Lord Jesus is the visible God of the invisible God. The Lord Jesus is the visible God of the invisible God. So what does it mean the son of God? Now listen carefully I'm explaining in terms and I put it in words so that you can understand clearly. Therefore Christ being the son of God means The full participation in the deity reflecting the exact image of God. The son of God means full participation in the deity. In the attributes of deity. In the nature of who God is. Reflecting who God is. And that's what we have seen in this passage. And you know what it says here? It says here that again, let me remind you once again. It says that. God in this last days has spoken to us by his son. It means that Jesus Christ is a supreme, absolute, final and complete revelation of God. There is no further revelation of God beyond the son. Whatever you read about the people in the Old Testament is only partial revelation. Whatever revelation is needed it has been revealed through the son. There is no revelation of God beyond the son. That is why, now listen carefully, that is why the scripture says here in John chapter 1. You know, how many, many, I don't know how many of you think about this. This is a big problem actually. When we read the Bible, we don't think much. We just read it. Why did John use the word, word, when he spoke about who Jesus is? Did you ever think about this? We don't think, right? We just read. <laughs> it says in John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Why did John use the term word? And then it says, and the word was with God. And the word was God. Now, this is how we can also say that. It says that in the beginning was God, which is the word. And then the word was with God. In other words, you know, God was with? Very strange, right? God was with God and God was God. (laughs) 
In the beginning was God and God was with God and God was God. This speaks about the beauty of Trinity in the Holy Bible. That's the reason we believe that God is one. But he revealed himself as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Three persons who are distinct but same in essence. That is the doctrine of the Trinity. And now listen carefully. It says here that, and the word became flesh. Now this is a point that he was making. Now what does it mean when it says that the word became flesh? God became flesh and dwelt among us. The reason the Bible says that Jesus was the word of God, because Jesus was the revelation of God. In other words, it can also be said, in the beginning was revelation. If you want to know the father, the revelation was Jesus. And the revelation was with God the Father. And this revelation that you think about the word is nothing but God. And this revelation came in the form of flesh. So that you can come to know God. As God spoke in the last days by his son. In the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament carefully. You see many times. The word of God came to Isaiah. The word of God came to Jeremiah. But in the New Testament, the Bible says, Christ himself is the word of God. If you see the Old Testament, the prophet said, thus says the Lord. Isn't it? In the Old Testament, we see, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. It is not me, Jeremiah is telling. It is not me, Isaiah is telling. These are words from the Lord. But Christ in the New Testament says, you have heard, but I say. Because I am the revelation of God. I am the word of God. I am the image of God. Now listen to this bombarding dynamic verse in John chapter 1 verse 18 what it says. I ended up when I showed you the first time but now you see what it says. It says here that no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the father's side. You see the only God? It says again God. No one has seen God but the only God. The word in the beginning was a word and the word was with God and the word was God. It says here that the only God who is at the father's side, he has made him known. Again connected to what Hebrews 1.1 says in this last days, God has spoken by his son. He revealed himself through his son Jesus Christ. And that's what exactly John 1.18 says that Christ has made him known. You know, Kent Hughes, a very good expository preacher, he says that Jesus exegeted God. <laughs> Jesus described who God is. Jesus explained who God is. Now listen carefully, my dear brothers and sisters. I met uh, with Anil, uh, a brother in Vijayawada, and he said that uh, he was a baptized Christian. And then he said that uh, he goes to the church since 10 years. And as I was speaking to him, and he was telling that, well, I don't think so Jesus can only be known or God can only be known in the Bible. We can know God in the Hinduism and in Islam and in all kinds of religions, he said that. And he was baptized by one of the greatest celebrity of our time in Hyderabad. I was so angry. Not at him, actually. The guy who baptized him without examining whether this is a Christian guy. What we need to understand, people, is that God cannot be known in Buddhism. God cannot be known in Islam. God cannot be known in Sikhism. God cannot be known in Hinduism. Now listen carefully. God can only be known in the person Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only revelation of God. Apart from Christ, God is unknown. Apart from Christ, God is unknown. 
Let me also tell you further. God cannot be known even in Jehovah's Witnesses. You know why? Because they deny the deity of Christ. God cannot be known in Mormonism. Why? Because they equal Jesus with one of us. They, they deny the distinctiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I want to tell you is this. God can only be known in biblical Jesus. Not any kind of Jesus. Now here comes the doctrine of election which many people don't like. Now read what it says in Luke chapter 10 verse 22. Luke chapter 10 verse 22. All things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows who the son is except the. Even Jesus cannot be known without the. And that is why when Peter said in Matthew chapter 16, you are the Christ. What did the Lord say to him? Flesh and blood did not reveal to you only the father. Even Christ cannot be known without the father. The father has to reveal the son. And that is what Jesus said. Gone. No one knows the son except the father. And see further what he says. And who the father is, no one knows except the Son, they both shade the unknownness that is to us because they are infinite beings in essence. Only the infinite God know the infinite God perfectly. No finite person can know the infinite person perfectly. And now listen what it says. Then, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. It doesn't say anyone who chooses to know him. Now this is a problem I have with those people who don't believe in the doctrine of election. They say that I chose. I believed. And therefore God has synergism. I seek him and he sought me. Now that is not what it says here. It says that except the son and anyone to whom this is the sovereignty of God. The sovereign choice of God. And to whomsoever son wants him to reveal father and the son. They come to know him. Why is it that you know and your neighbor doesn't know? Is it because you are a smart sinner? Or a better sinner than your neighbor? Maybe you should be a better sinner than your neighbor. That's the reason you came to know him. And Christ was revealing to him. They are not knowing him. And you, God has revealed to you. And you came to know him. Because you are a better smart sinner. I come to know the Lord Jesus Christ people. You know why? Because he chose me. <laughs> if he hadn't chose me, I wouldn't have known him. Now finally, the question should come to us. If it didn't come to you, it should come to you now. <laughs> the question is, if God had spoken to us by his son, how did the son reveal to us what God has revealed to him? <laughs> Isn't it a very good question? If God in this last days has spoken to his son, but how did the son reveal himself to us? Is it in a mystical way? Again, principle of Bible interpretation. What is that? Scripture, interpret scripture. Now go on a short, brief journey with me before I close. Listen to this. Very, very important. Turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verses 14 to 15. John chapter 16, verse 14 to 15. You are new to understand the exclusivity of these words, which means these words were exclusively spoken. Some people generalize this, but I'm afraid of that because Jesus said here, I still have many things to say to you. Who are you here? Stephen David, right? Who is that? 
the apostles. When Christ said, I still have many things to say to you, what does it mean? He already spoke some things to him. He wanted to speak more, but at this time he's not speaking to them. So don't keep yourself over there. It was spoken to the apostles. And you see what it says. I still have many things to say to you apostles, but you cannot bear them now. And you see, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The complete revelation that you have to know that the father has revealed to me. I'm showing you now, but when the spirit of God comes, he will show to you even more. The complete revelation will be finished. Then he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. Whatever he hears means what? Whatever the father has spoken to the son, the son speaks to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaks to the apostles. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now listen carefully. He will glorify me. He didn't come to glorify himself. Now this is one problem I have with the culture that I came in. Nowhere the scripture says about not a single hint where people pray to the Holy Spirit, where people worship the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling Holy Spirit is not God. I absolutely believe the equality of the Holy Spirit and the essence of the deity. But today, you know, in some circles, when you say Spirit, 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 you believe in the Holy Spirit. And you come to this church where we don't say Spirit, 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 you people don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Read these words carefully. He didn't come to magnify His name where people can say Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. It says that He will not glorify himself. What is it saying? It says that he has come to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will not say Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. The empty people who don't have the Holy Spirit will say Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. But if the person is filled with the Holy Spirit, he will say Jesus, 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 because the Holy Spirit has not come to glorify him, but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see what it says, for he will take what is mine and declare it to who are these you here? Apostles. Oh, now you see the beauty of the Trinity and link it with Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. In this last days, God has spoken to his son. It says that, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. And therefore, I said that he will take, which is all that the father has is mine. And the spirit of God will take what is mine and reveal it to and what do these people do? I will share with you as we go further. Now turn to John chapter 17. Are you with me? Yes. Are you tired? No. Okay, John chapter 17 verse 6 to 8. You see what it says. This is a high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, now this passage first put speaks about apostles. And then it says here that, I have manifested your name to the people you gave me out of the world. Who are these people? Apostles, again remember Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. In these last days God spoke to his son. And his son, whatever he has received from the father, it says, yours they were and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. Now you see what it says. For I have given the words that you gave me. Did Jesus give the words the father has given him to all people? To whom did he give? To the apostles. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that they have sent you. Now that's not the end people. Now see what happened in verse 20 now. Chapter 17 verse 20. Now I do not ask for those only. Who are those? The apostles. Now listen carefully. This is where you and I come. 
I do not ask for these only, the apostles, but also for those who believe in me through whose word? Whose word? Their word. You and I heard the gospel. How did the gospel come to us? The gospel that was revealed to the apostles. Who wrote the New Testament? The apostles wrote the New Testament. And we have come to know who Jesus is through the words of the apostles because all that the Father has given to the Son, the Holy Spirit took it and he applied it to the apostles. The apostles took it and they gave them to us. And where is the words of the apostles today? Where? The New Testament. Do you want to see some more further understanding of this? That their word is nothing but what? Teaching of the... Now here is a word to think about. When in Acts 2, 39, 40, 41, when 3,000 people came and they were baptized. Do you remember? 42, what does it say? And they devoted to apostles teaching. Whose teaching were the apostles? Christ spoke to them. Who spoke to Christ? The spirit of God. And the spirit, oh, no, the, the father spoke to the son. The son spoke to the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God spoke to the apostles. And the church were devoted to what? Does it say that? The church was devoted to hearing the voice of God. Does it say that? It doesn't say. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. If you want to see one more evidence, see Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. Revelation 1.1. 1, 1. You know, beautifully here we see that. It says here that the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. Again, God spoke to us by his son. The revelation of Jesus Christ whom God gave him to show his servants. Who are his servants? We are his servants. The things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Now, what is the medium of communication the father gave to whom? The son. The son came, gave to whom? To the angel. And the angel gave to whom? To the apostle John. And the apostle John came to, gave to whom? To the church. It was not directly to the church that God spoke. This is what I mean to say. And even the son did not speak to the church directly. It is based on the teachings and the revelation that Christ has given to the apostles that the church is built. Now listen to this. Apart from apostles teaching, you cannot know the son. Because the son revealed himself to us through the teachings of the apostles. Now you may be thinking then, what about, what about, what about Paul then? Where did he come from? The Bible says that he was exclusively chosen by God, even though he was not part among the twelve. And God specially chose him. And more than the physical apostles who were with him, God revealed himself to Paul. And he wrote about 13 letters in the New Testament. More than the 12 apostles or some of the apostles, the revelation was written by Paul. And that's the reason. Now here I'm giving you a very stunning understanding here. You know why? That is the reason when we break bread every Sunday, we read the word without understanding what Paul meant there when it says in 11.23. You know what he said? For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you. What did he say? No one gave me this. I received directly from the Lord the divine revelation, what I delivered to you. And the Lord Jesus on the night when he was bread, took bread. Now some may be telling, what are you talking Stephen? Matthew, Mark, Luke were written at that time. Now listen carefully. Many of us don't know. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all these four gospels were written after AD 70. 
you go and do research. You go and study, type in the Google, when was Matthew written, Mark written, Luke written, John written. All these books were written after AD 70. When Paul wrote this 1 Corinthians 11 chapter, 1 Corinthians letter, it was between AD 53 to 55. No one spoke to him. He didn't even know that. It was the divine revelation of Christ. That's the reason Paul said that, for I received from the Lord what I delivered to you. In the same way, that is why Paul said that in Galatians 1, 11 to 12, that I received not through any man. He says that the gospel that I preached to you, I did not receive it from any man. He says, I received it through a revelation of Jesus. Do you see the word? Which means a divine revelation that I received it, I received it to you. And gave it to you. Now what does it mean? Even if you, you can make a note of it if you want to. 1 Corinthians 14, 37 to 38. Where Paul says, the things that I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Now what does it mean? Now this is what it means. Now listen carefully. The Old Testament is the revelation of God through the prophets. The New Testament is the complete revelation of God given to his son. Who revealed through his apostles and sometimes even the close associates of apostles like Luke and Mark. They were not the apostles but they were the close associates of apostles. Some people say that they could not write and that's the reason the apostles were somewhere fishermen, right? And that's the reason they took the help of Mark and Luke and they inscribed everything the Lord inspired them. So the New Testament is a complete revelation of God given to his son who revealed through his apostles for the welfare of of the church. Now listen to this carefully. It says. God has spoken by his son. Everything that God wanted to us to know. He has spoken to his son Jesus. Everything that the son wanted us to know. He has spoken to his apostles. And everything that the apostles wanted us to know. They have written. In the New Testament. These are. The spoken. Words of God. And that is sufficient for us. And the canon is closed. What God has spoken to the prophets. Closed. What God has spoken to the son. Closed. The revelation is ended. Whatever we have now. We have to just read it. And understand it. And now based on what you said. What I said so far. I think you will understand better. If you read now Hebrews 1, 1 to 2. Shall we all read this together? Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, which is recorded in the Old Testament, right? And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, which is recorded where? In the New Testament. And what I wanted to tell you people is this. The Holy Bible is God's Revelation to us. Do you read this? These are the spoken words of God. Do you read this every day? Do you meditate on it every day? And why should you read it? Now listen carefully. I told you that what God spoken is the revelation of himself. Don't read this to solve your personal problems. Bible is the revelation of God. God is at the center of the Bible. God is the hero of the Bible. Your problems are not... Some people don't enjoy God's word because they read it and think, I have nothing today. Why? Because your felt needs are not met. Bible is not to deal... Bible is not a manual to deal with your personal problems. Yes, there are wisdom in that. 
But that's not why God has given. God has given his word so that you can know him. And there are some people who read the Bible, they know the word, but they don't know God. That is also a deception. And let me tell you another thing. Do you want to hear the voice of God? Do one thing. Get up early in the morning. Go into the room. Close the door. Close your eyes and say, Spirit of God, may I hear the still small voice from heaven. And just everything be silent. Not a single drop of noise. Wait. Wait. And you will hear the voice. Very good story. Romantic, emotional, which we don't find in the Bible. I literally did that. I ordered a book from US and I wanted to hear. I was desperate for the voice of God. You don't know what I did for the voice of God. I got it. And that person said in the book, whatever comes into your mind, that is the word of God to you. The first thoughts, you write it. Then I took the book. It was a workbook. So I took it. Whatever came. Mm, mm, mm. One day my friend came to meet me. You know, the Lord is speaking to me. And I told him whatever I was hearing, he was writing. He was my, he was as if I am the son, he is apostle. <laughs> Crazy things have gone through people. And he was just writing. Recently when he met, he said, Stephen, I remember how you used to be. Now you got spoiled in this doctrines and all. How you used to listen to God and I used to write your scribe. And today you no more hear the voice. I became mature. Stop being like a child. People... Don't look for extra biblical voices and revelations. Read the word of God, which is the voice of God. Read the word of God, which is the will of God. Study and meditate on the person Jesus Christ. And one thing finally I want to tell you people. The goal and the center and the purpose and the motivation of all the Lord Jesus did on the cross. Is to show God to us. Because sin has blinded us from knowing God. And that is the reason Christ died for our sins, which blinded us. And that's the reason 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they would not know God. See the glory of God. And Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we would behold the glory of God. And that's why I like the title of the book of John Piper, God is the Gospel. Which is, God is eternal life, God is a gospel, and Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that you and I would stop looking elsewhere to know God. Stop looking inside to know God. Look to Jesus and what he has revealed in the Bible. Believe in the gospel. Study the word and you will keep growing in knowing God. Already what has God has spoken by his prophets and by his son. Let's pray. Let's all stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who is real. You are the God who can be known. You are the God who speaks. And that's why you spoke to the prophets. And finally, the complete revelation to your son. And all that the prophets have heard from you. And all that the apostles have heard from you that is needed for us to know was written in the word. Lord, this book is not an ordinary book, O oh Lord. Oh, may we not underestimate this holy Bible which we keep in our rooms and just have it dusted. Lord, from today when we open this Bible, may we see and hear the voice of God. And may we learn and read the intention of how you revealed yourself through your word. May we come to know exactly, not through our assumptions and feelings and notions and culture, 
but the way that you intended and revealed to your people. Help us to know the original meaning and understand what you have for us. Oh, we thank you for the scripture, O oh Lord, which is the voice of God, the spoken word of God, the return word of God. We give you glory, honor, and praise. Maybe read this, meditate on it day and night, and be filled with the word of God because we know God by knowing the word. And that's why you could say that, Jesus, sanctify them by your word. We pray that you help us to obey your word, submit to the authority of your word, love your word, because these are the spoken words of God. And help us to meditate on the person Jesus Christ who is the center of the entire Bible. May we not put ourselves as a center and look for some kind of problems that will be solved in our lives. Lord, those things can be taken care of. But the primary need for us is to know Jesus. Is to know God. God is the greatest need of our lives. Jesus is the greatest need of our lives. And we keep growing in knowing God and knowing Jesus by meditating on this word. And as the psalmist said, O oh Lord, in Psalm 119, I will not neglect your word. Help us not to neglect. And we pray that you forgive the sin of neglecting your word. And getting to the phones always, getting to the TVs and all these things. Where we neglect the word and run to the broken cisterns. When we have the words of eternal life. And that's what the Peter said to Jesus. Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And those words have been inscripturated. Have been written in the Bible. Where else can we go God? We can only turn to your word. Because by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. In knowing the word we know God. And may we not be destroyed for lack of knowledge of the word. Which is so prevalent today. Thank you once again O Heavenly Father. For speaking to your prophets. To your son. Because of which we have these words. And we thank you Jesus for dying for our sins. And rising from the dead. So that you would reveal the father to us. Through belief in the gospel. Anyone here. Who did not believe in the gospel. Pray a lot that you please to save them from perishing in sin. Perishing in the ignorance of the living God. May they come to know God through belief in the gospel. Lead them to repentance O Lord. And all those who believed in you. May we continue to grow in knowing God. By meditating on your word and obeying your word. Have mercy on us and lead us by your spirit. In Jesus name we offer this prayer with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com you may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, c-s-t-e-b-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m. Grace and peace be to you.